tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Thank you. That was your best one yet, dude. Damn. I'm super excited for you, man. After how many episodes have you been on? How um, many episodes? Like about 400. 400. You finally got it. Congratulations, dude. <laughs> That is an awesome moment. Mark that down. What is this, 510? Yep. 5'10, it all came together. November 17th, 2021. This guy gets it. The guy who gets it to know him is the love of him. Xavier Guerrero. I never XG. even want to say it again, honestly, because it's never, I'm never going to live up to that. Should we end that right now? Should, it. should that be the end? The last rock? No. Hey, oh my God, I forgot to send uh, and on the ones and twos. Uh, he his show is blowing up. It's called Broken Sin, <laughs> and he is one of the top. Po- a lot of people are calling him the Joe Rogan of podcasting, the new Joe Rogan of podcast. Jay Nice, Johnny Wood, <laughs> the new Joe Rogan of podcasting. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations, uh-huh. dude. We already have a Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. No, but we yeah, need, but you're the new one. We need a new one on YouTube. Is he not you need a, new a newer top? one? Yeah, and you're on, you're the only one on YouTube now. So. Congratulations! Okay. I thought dude. you had to be able to suck your own dick to, uh, <laughs> to be the Joe Johnny, Rogan podcast. Johnny, ex- Xavier and I were talking about if there's anyone in this room who can do it, you. We believe in you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. I am the really, least flexible person. No, I'm. You're way more flexible than me. Way I don't. I, no, no, no. I don't think so. I was doing yoga today. It's uh-huh. like beginning yoga, or something, and I'm yelling at the screen. Hard. Fuck you. It's tough, man. Fuck you. It's tough. But it's great when you feel like just an incremental increase in your flexibility. It's the best. Yeah, I dude, I think that's a big part of life is being involved in anything where you're making progress, you know, and you can feel momentum in just your life. A that's bit, really just important. Just a little bit. Yeah, just that's a little huge. bit more. Um, all right. So that's about it. Guys, a lot of things are going on here in the world of uh, Tim Fall Hat. Uh, you know, we're getting ready. Had a big talk with uh, Eddie Bravo. We're going we're gonna to start doing some more live shows on the road. And we're thinking about doing some uh, pay-per-views that will be big events. Ooh. Going big game hunting with big name people. Get them up on stage. See what we can make happen. So that's the goal in life. So we're going to get that going. If you want to see me live, uh, San Diego, the San Diego show tomorrow night. Or I don't know when this is coming out. I think it's going to be, what, Friday I get this? When, when am I going to get this? Uh, you'll probably get it today because I, I'm just going to have to sit down on the computer for six hours and try to f- fix right. it. We had bad audio today from Zoom. Yeah, we had a great guest on, Derek Bros. Uh, he's on Rockfin. He's great got, guest. Great guest. And he, we said all the buzzwords, China, uh, FBI, Pizzagate. And it was just the, at the end, by the way. Don't tune out, but it was yeah, just at the very end. At where, the very yeah. end, it gets a little choppy, but we we'll have him back. It's a great podcast. It's a lot of fun. He's really uh, amazing. So enjoy the show. Uh, so I don't know when it's coming out, but my Thursday show in San Diego sold out. Guess what? We just added, I think as of right now, another show, which will be at the American Comedy Company. 
And uh, it's December 2nd through the 4th. So come get weird, hang out. And what I'm trying to do, if everything works out, I'm trying to make it an all-cash daddy show. I'm going to see if Howie and Chris Neff will come out and do it. And we'll all have a great time. So that is December 2nd through the 4th. That is available at uh, Sam Tripoli dot com okay uh and then december 10th uh, or the 11th i'm at my final show of law of the year that is going to be at the uh side splitters in tampa so i'm doing all my favorite cities at the end of the year we just did salt lake city then i'm doing san diego i did miami salt lake san diego and tampa those are literally my favorite cities to do stand up in so I'm very excited about that. Phoenix is in there. New York's in there. Okay, there's a lot of places. Vegas, too. So anyway, so that's great. Uh, new t-shirts up. Can you bring this new Ooh. t-shirt up? Uh, it is flying off the shelves. It is flying off the shelves. The anti-vaccine vaccine club is flying off the shelves. Is this our first like double-sided t-shirt? Is it? I think it might be. It might be, but it, it, it's, it's big. Yeah. And people love it. Grab it. Great way to support the show. Then you also have the, uh, you know. Whose the, idea was that, actually? Right. That, that wasn't mine. It's John, it's, that was, that was our Tripoli. t-shirt guy. Yeah. That was a good one. Props to that guy. Yeah, props to that guy. Hey, dude, we're always open-minded t-shirts. If you have a t-shirt design you want to send to us, we're down with it. Uh, you know, if we use it, you get 100 bucks. And you get the shirt. And you get a shirt. Yeah, so I mean. But if we don't use most of them. Not because we don't like it, but it's like we got it. We have a very high standard, and uh, just know if you submit, it might not be used. So just know that. And uh, but we would love any designs. We're working on new shit. And also, don't come at me with like, "Hey, I have this idea. Can you draw it?" No, I no. need you to give me that idea, yeah. at least half drawn, at least something to give to someone else. But don't come at me with like, "Hey, a can you get this done?" A lot of people think I do a lot of shows. This guy does tons of shows. Mm-hmm. That's all he's doing. He's smoking a lot of weed with Mexicans, and they're all finding out. Guess what? They don't smoke the same. That's what they're finding out yep. right now. It's hard. Do you have what are your fans called, by the way? I haven't gave them a name. We're thinking about stoners, but it's just too common. How, how many? How many episodes have you done? We're up probably like one ten. You haven't come up with a name for your fans? Oh, no, just. How about the illegals? The illegals, not well, everyone. They, they, they just they know their names all personally. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? We're all going to forget the names. We're all too high. We're not going to remember everybody. That was great. Guys, if you want to to support the show, go to samtriplee.com. All my dates are there. All my stand-up clips are there. All my videos are there for the most part. You can all get them there. Uh, You can also get a link to timfallhatt-shirts.com so you don't have to click it. Just go to samtriplee.com. I have a 24-hour news channel, a radio channel there. All at samtriplee.com. If you want premium content, go to rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N.com slash Tim Fall Hat. Zero. Broken Sim. We yeah. don't smoke the same. You name it, it's all there. Jimmy Dore's live right now as we speak. Jimmy Dore's live on there now as we speak. Our guest Derek Bros is on there. That guy all works. The- all the heavy hitters are there. So go check it out. It's a great way to support the show. I also have free content. Free content. Tim Fall Hat will always be free. Broken Sim, free. Cash Daddy's financial show, for free. Then I have Conspiracy Social Club, for free. I have Zero, for free. And I also have Punch Drunk Sports, where winners win, all for free. Just go check we it out. We just posted, uh, we were, 
we're getting a lot of shit on YouTube for not posting for a while. We were barred from posting by Google Daddy. He gave us a little spanking. Uh, so that's why we. It's not like we. The people were saying Sam's lazy and stuff. It's nothing to do with that. Yeah, it's, you're going to we get banned. three bang episodes. Yeah. out. bam, bam, bang. You're about to get a bunch. Bang, pow. Bunch boom, of content. Bang. You're going to so, hate yeah. us. Go check it out. Is there anything I forgot, guys? We're also working on a mystery box. Mystery box NFTs. If you got any ideas, let's subscription run it. boxes. Yes. What we're talking about. We're talking yes. subscription boxes. If you're we gotta just figure it out, man. We just gotta figure it out. Just yeah. PayPal me. I'll, I'll take care of it. What do you mean? <laughs> nice fucking with you. Okay. All right, guys. So uh, again, great episode. Uh, the end of it gets a little wonky, but uh, you know, hopefully Johnny can do some magic see on it magic. and come see me live. And just know. 2020 can you guys believe it's gonna be 2022 unbelievable can you believe that you guys are younger than me i don't ever remember thinking about 2020 my head spinning yeah right so 2022 we're gonna go hard in the paint like young christian warriors we come to fight we fight for love enjoy the show go deep homeboy open your mind All right, guys, let's get into it. Uh, Super excited about having this next guest on. I was just chilling at Skankfest with the Skanks, and uh, this guy walked up to me, introduced himself, and I instantly recognized him as the gentleman who was interviewing uh, Epstein's victim's lawyer, and so I'm very excited to have him on. He's an independent, uh, independent researcher, journalist, and ghost hunter. Please welcome Derek Rose. How are you, brother? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Dude, uh, honor and a privilege, man. Uh, I, I recognize you instantly, and I'm super thankful you came up and said hello, and I'm super glad that Mark could get you in really quick. So it's an honor and a privilege to have you on. For those who may not be familiar with you and your work, and you're also part of the Last Vagabonds, as well, uh, Last American Vagabonds, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, briefly, um, I live in Mexico right now. I've been living here for the last year and a half since COVID started. But uh, I'm originally from Houston, uh, where I met you. And uh, in 2010, I basically 2009, 2010, I started to wake up, as a lot of us say, and pretty quickly just decided to get active. I started an activist group in the city, started doing freelance, you know, kind of citizen journalism. And eventually that got me, uh, you know, a radio show in Houston. Uh, which I still have called Freethinker Radio on 90.1 in Houston, although they're trying to kick us off for talking about COVID stuff. Um, and, you know, along the way, I've, uh, I, just, I just realized the media wasn't doing their job, so I started writing for alternative media. I've written for most of the major sites that have all been deleted right now, and, and uh, as you said, right now I'm working for uh, The Last American Vagabond with Ryan and Whitney Webb, and uh, I also started producing documentaries, some of which we'll talk about today, and I've written a few books as well, and uh, actually – just finished doing my third U.S. tour, kind of combining my music. I do conscious hip-hop with giving speeches and then my girlfriend get, doing guided meditation. So we kind of took the whole show on the road. And that's just, I guess, what I do, the, whether it's music, writing articles, writing documentaries, um, doing podcasts and, and doing different types of reporting. I just try to put everything I can into waking people up, really. Uh, I love all of it. I'm a fan of your work, and I'm a fan of the last American Vagabonds, everybody on there doing the Lord's work. And I really do appreciate, again, you coming up and saying hello. Uh, again, you are very well. You're known for a lot of stuff. But, you know, the first time I, I heard about you and saw your work was your interview with the lawyers 
from uh, the, the, the Jeffrey Epstein trial. I want to get your opinion on what's going on in your humble opinion uh, with the Ghislaine Maxwell uh, situation. We keep hearing trial starting, jury's getting picked. Nobody's seeing anything. It makes mm-hmm. me hard to believe that they're doing this for the safety or they're worried about her getting taken out or any of that stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's good reason to be skeptical, right? Clearly, we had this. For me, it was this this crazy thing experiencing Epstein stuff because, like you said, I've been kind of reporting on this for years. I got to interview Brad Edwards. That clip went viral because of some of the things he said. I went and did went to Je- uh, Jeffrey Epstein's house in 2018 to film a scene for a documentary I did called "Bringing Down Jeffrey Epstein," and you know, watching him get arrested and then quote unquote kill himself was just so bizarre to watch it basically turn from like oh my god people are paying attention we're about to expose this to where it becomes just a joke on saturday night live oh epstein didn't kill himself and you know so that was just really disturbing and i think obviously the q anon what i consider to be a psyop really made it difficult for people to talk about those realities because if you bring up those kinds of things even with epstein out in the mainstream people still say oh that's q anon pizzagate whatever they want to say to be dismissive And now we have another person involved in that whole saga of Epstein and connections to the intelligence community and cover-ups and all that stuff, supposedly in prison, right? We've seen like one picture of her and a bunch of chalk sketches. And, you know, it's, it's, there's definitely, I think any reasonable person knowing all the things, the facts about Epstein and that whole uh, network and who they're connected to Israeli intelligence, you know, and even in the mainstream, having some of the politicians say, Oh, well, Oh, we had to drop the investigation because we were told he was intelligence. And knowing Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's father, Robert Maxwell, and his connections, he was probably an MI6 and Israeli uh, agent who died under mysterious circumstances. Knowing all this stuff, it's really hard to just accept, oh, yeah, she's just sitting in jail waiting for you know, a prosecution, and especially when we're not seeing anything. They did say a couple days ago, okay, the case is moving forward. It's going to start sometime, I think, next month. They're claiming I wouldn't be surprised if it keeps getting delayed and things like that. Well, the, the the conditions are horrible, and she doesn't take showers because the the securities are creeping up on her. Oh, I mean, she's talking about creep. She's talking about creepy shit when she's the biggest creep. On, they're trying on to do anything to humanize her, and it's just it's yeah. it, it's unbelievable. Guys, let me tell you about our good friends at Blue Chew. Blue Chew. We're gonna drop the hammer on you, Blue Chew. I don't like how you point at me when you're talking rock, about dropping the hammer. Rock hard. Point the hammer on on XG. Bogus. For Americans, made by Americans, for Americans, Blue Chew is for you. Okay. And the shit you do, whatever it is, that's up to you. We won't judge you. That's in the copy, huh? All yeah, that's all in the wow. copy, guys. Blue Chew is a unique <laughs> online service that has the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, man. By the Jubal tablet man i love it i love to chew it and i love to snort it okay you can take <laughs> no, it any- no no you what? don't snort this this well, is not don't a snort, snort. It's, it's- don't snort it unless yeah. you're a veteran like me but don't <laughs> no, snort it do not snort. do not snort it okay okay. okay you take it anytime day or night so you, you can plan ahead and be ready whenever the opportunity arises i like to play boner chicken with my friends okay we'll take it and we see who has the more awkward boner at the more awkward time you're at church boner okay that's how it goes yeah. never get it never drink anything before you take a flight with sam triple <laughs> yeah boner city <laughs> the process is simple sign up to bluechew.com consult with one of their 
their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. It's just that simple. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line to the pharmacy, huh? It's garbage. Waiting in line, right? You see a hottie, and she's like, what are you here for? I'm like, oh, I got Blue Chew. You can't get boners? I can get boners now. Thanks to Blue Chew, dude. Blue Chew tablets are made in USA. USA, okay? And prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. Mine comes with fireworks, okay? That's how amazing it is. All right, so it's real simple. This is what we need you to do. We got a special offer, special deal for our listeners, all right? Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code TINFALL at checkout. And it's just pay $5 shipping. That's it. Try BlueChew.com promo code TINFALL to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details, important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Thank you, BlueChew. BlueChew, we're dropping hammer on you. And, you know, we bring up QAnon. We bring up Pizzagate. And then I want to get into your book. But it's very interesting because, you know, I do a show with a guy that believes nothing of what we talk about. And, you know, and he's like, Pizzagate, where they're doing things to kids in the basement. And I go, well, dude, you know, I mean, like the Jeffrey Epstein is like 100% a part of all that. And then this, you know, the 2019 were like, Five associates uh, of uh, Hillary Clinton get arrested for child sex trafficking. Like, you can't just deny it. He's like, it's just so, like, we're, you know what it is, man? And I, and I just feel like we got we to gotta understand we're going to lose some soldiers, I think. Because I, I, if at this point, no matter what information you're given, okay, that you can't understand that you were wrong and you want to admit, like, okay, man. Like, I'm going to say something. I thought Donald Trump, I, I mean, I never trusted President after Obama, but I thought Trump might be a little different. I, I, you know, and I think he's like somewhat of a, a Godzilla, right? He's like, he's this th- guy, dude that just is a monster, but do you want him over the other monsters? And I still think that's a possibility. But now with all the stuff I'm learning about BlackRock and how he just it, put all these BlackRock people into all these positions, and now we're hearing that the Fed, which is ran by BlackRock, which, which Larry Fink has invested huge amounts of his investors' money into their business is now basically having Goldman Sachs use Fed money to bail out ever ever what's it called Evergrande or whatever it's called. Yeah. Holy shit! How can you sit there now and say that Donald Trump is like what? Well, he's like an outsider. Yeah, it's good to hear that you're questioning that that narrative for sure. Because I think a lot of people over the last four years spent their time trying to defend Trump. And even as things continue to pile up, like with being bailed out back in the day by the Rothschilds, you know, connections to like his his mentor, Roy Cohn, Whitney Webb did a lot of work on that, his, his connections to, to pedophilia, et cetera. But then not even just things from the past, but like the actions he was taking, like the ones you mentioned, those to me are extremely important. Right. And I think that I get it. People still want to believe in the, uh, you know, in the system to some degree, it's hard to sort of let go of that because I think part of it's propaganda that we all receive from a young age to believe in these systems. 
But also I think some people, if they start questioning, okay, well, maybe there is no help coming from a new president. Maybe this person really isn't on our side. Then it's difficult to go to the next stage, which is like, holy crap, I got to do something for myself. Then I have to save myself. We have to save ourselves. You know, there's nobody coming in to ride in on the white horse, which I kind of find empowering. Honestly, I'm like, I don't want to waste my time believing in these people. And then just to be fooled later, like I know what they do. I'm only 36, but it didn't take a couple elections to realize they're full of shit. Yeah, I, and that's a, and I know we're gonna lose some people saying this, but I'm just like take a look at it, pull your emotions out, and take a look what's going on. Yeah, there were things that Trump did that I liked, and you know, and and, and back to your video, that's a really big video. Is you know, do you think Trump was in on this pedophile blackmail? Thing now, I've heard he ran blackmail schemes, and I think that's just a game that billionaires in real estate do in New York, where they. But was he part of this whole thing, or is that Mar Largo <laughs> fight that everybody talked about? Is that a real story? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so yeah, that this is I think an important aspect. I've done two videos on my website at theconsciousresistance.com about did Trump. They're just titled "Did Trump Kick um, Epstein Out of Mar-a-Lago?" Part one and two. Maybe there's three. Just looking into this whole claim and the interview that I did with Brad Edwards, who is the lawyer who represented the victims of Epstein since back in 2005. I went to Florida for one of the hearings and I got to talk to him. And it's just this little segment of that that went viral. It even led to Fox News calling me trying to use it, but they didn't want to pay up, so I didn't let them use it. Um, But it basically... It's basically just uh, Edward says, when I'm asking him, like, hey, what do you say about these reports or these claims that uh, Trump had kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago and there was some kind of dispute? And this is, again, the lawyer who at this point had been investigating it for 13, 14 years, dealing with the victims directly and working with private investigators. And he said, yeah, I heard that claim too, but I never was able to verify it. And then he added, but I will say when I called all these different people on my list of people I wanted to subpoena about Epstein, Donald Trump was the only one that called me back and said, yeah, I'm willing to help whatever you need. And so that clip went viral and, you know, the Trump supporters say, see, look, he's, he's, there's no way he's a part of it. But to me, when you look at the context of what was going on at the time, this is after him and Epstein had their little feud, whatever it was, whether it was over real estate or children or whatever, or just trying to turn on each other, they had already parted ways. And so the idea of if somebody calls Trump and like, hey, we're investigating Epstein, this person that he supposedly is having a feud over, whatever it was about, then, you know, why would he not be willing to maybe turn against him? Or perhaps he recognized that like, okay, they're on the tail of Epstein and whatever connections he might have, um, you know, he decided to kind of turn against him, which is what a lot of people did, the Clintons and others. But we just have at least the, the earliest video, I think, is 1992 showing Epstein Epstein and Trump together, the one they released, you know, in the last year or two. And then there's um, at least some article references that myself and Whitney found going back to like the 80s, talking about their connection. And so there's those things that to me are like, he also in Epstein's black book, he had like 14 numbers from Trump, like his private home number, his car number, all these different things. They clearly had an extensive relationship, right? And the rumor, though, this idea that Trump kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago, I traced it down to one single source, and that was the book um, Filthy Rich by James Patterson. There's actually kind of a weird story here that James Patterson is like a fiction writer. He also lived in Palm Beach where Epstein was at and apparently hated Epstein. You know, some people think he was involved, and again, they turned on each other. But either way, his story is that he hated Epstein so much, he decided to write a book all about how disgusting this guy was and 
you know, he wanted to expose it. And it's in that book, Filthy Rich, that does have a lot of the known facts, but it's in that book where he tells the story and says, according to somebody he interviewed within the club, um, that there was this fight and that Trump threw Epstein out because Epstein had tried to hit on one of the club members' daughters or something like that, right? So that's the only source for that that story. There's no other verification. I reached, there's a journalist that helped uh, Jim uh, James Patterson write the book. I reached out to him. They couldn't provide anything or they chose not to. But the other interesting aspect of that is that James Patterson also, after that, wrote a book with Bill Clinton and toured the country with Bill Clinton. And, you know, Clinton obviously has his connections, Epstein Ew. and other things. So it's just this web of people that I'm like, I don't trust any of them. You know, I don't trust James Patterson. I don't trust Trump, Epstein, obviously. What do you yeah. think about the second little book that popped up uh, uh, earlier this year? Do you know that someone found a little black book and it was Epstein's book and this lady kept it? For the whole year, and, and all of a sudden, to show up. all of a sudden, she's like, "Hey, I remember this book I found, and it's yeah. got a list of all these people, and they're trying to figure out if it's real or not." What do you think about that? I haven't heard. I, of I actually did hear that, but I haven't heard any. Like, I remember seeing the headline go by briefly, but I haven't had time to dig into it myself. And I mean, unfortunately, I mean, you guys know this. There's just so much garbage out there. Like the the problem of fake news, not in the sense of the way the corporate media and the government use it. Obviously, they try to use that to demonize people like us, but there really is garbage, and a lot of times I think it's purposeful disinformation planted by the intelligence community, but also I mean, I've seen it myself in the community. There's a lot of people who, yeah, maybe they question the mainstream, but they don't question the alternative, or they think, oh, anything from the mainstream is fake, and therefore anything from this community must be real, and people who just don't have any research skills, they don't have very you know good critical thinking, you know, people send me stuff like, check out this crazy thing, Derek. And in two seconds, I can debunk it or show them like, hey, guys, this is garbage. Look at, Happens you know, where you're all the from. time. Happens all you know, the so time. So I, I, don't, I don't know if I would trust that at the moment, but I haven't seen it directly myself. Speaking of books, you have a book called The Conscious Resistance Trilogy. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, man, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. So uh, the, the book that you're referring to is a collection of my first three books that were originally published in 2015, 16, and 17. And then I connected with this publisher, Discovery Publishers, and they decided to help me and my partner, John Vibes, uh, re-release it as one book and update it with like new chapters and basically what we originally intended it to be. And pretty much the idea behind the three books within there, it's just an exploration of specifically like anarchism, self-governance, you know, what does freedom really mean as like in the physical realm and what is government and what are corporations and all these different kinds of philosophical questions, as well as talking about the, the spiritual search for meaning and the kind of deeper inner work, you know, and it was inspired by when I met my buddy, John, he's in Maryland and I'm in Houston. We connected through some synchronous sort of events that basically brought us together. And we realized, Hey, we both had an interest in the psychedelics, shamanism and anarchism. And, we started having some podcasts back in 2014, 15, discussing this, and then eventually it kind of evolved into this book idea of just exploring what does that mean, the conscious resistance, and that's the name of my website and, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, the movement that I've been working on, and essentially it just means that the conscious resistance is this idea that the understanding that trying to create a better world for, you know, that I think most of us are after a more free, more just world. It's not only going to come from confronting the physical institutions of power, like say governments and corporations. I mean, that's important to identify these people. They've got maniacal plans and that's one part of it. But for me and the idea of the conscious resistance is it also has to be coupled with that, what I call that struggle against your internal tyrant, your own doubts, fears, insecurities, et cetera. And just kind of doing that deeper work and, the reason I'm focused on that is because, and I'll just tell this, and if you want to hear more, I'll, I'll tell you more about it. Yeah, but go for it. It kind of comes, 
it comes from me because, so like I said, I'm 36 years old. When I was 20 years old, I got addicted to crystal meth and I went to prison. And that's kind of what started. That's basically what got me here to talking with you. Who hasn't that. been addicted to crystal meth? If you- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if you're around in the mid-2000s. Yeah, anywhere yeah, in New uh, Year, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I so agree. I got hooked on it when I was 20 years old. I got locked up and basically I, I did. I ended up doing uh, 19 months in Texas state prisons between 2005 and 2008, became a felon. And in that time when I got locked up, the first time I was locked up for a year, I just, you know, I had this huge moment of like, holy shit, what am I doing with my life? I come from a family of drug addicts and alcoholics. My father had been in prison my entire life. And it was just this like gut check, like a kick in the nuts of like, what am I going to do? And I just started journaling and writing and kind of working on some of that trauma. And then I discovered meditation while I was locked up, started meditating. And so all those experiences happened to me before I ever woke up to, you know, the government and conspiracies and whatever else you want to say. This happened when I was 20 years old, getting going in that. When I got out, I got out October 2008, which was right before Obama got elected. I didn't know anything about politics. I just knew I didn't trust the government, you know, and I'm out. I'm a felon. I start, you know, just looking for a job. And, you know, long story short, I basically started to realize that, like, not only is I was not addicted to drugs anymore, the depression I'd been holding on to was starting to lift, my curiosity for life, my excitement, my wanting to learn. And then, you know, fast forward about a year, I watched an Alex Jones documentary, uh, (laughs) read a couple of books. I heard Ron Paul speak in Houston, listened to this band that was like talking about this death metal band that was talking about the Federal Reserve and all of that within like a week or two. And it was just like, you know, nothing was the same. And I started doing all this crap. So, you know, it's always been important to me to bring in that healing aspect. That's why, you know, I talked about that whenever we start, me and John started having these conversations because I was waking up spiritually, emotionally, mentally before I ever started to question the government. And then once I got into it, I realized like, hey, these are two, these are kind of for me the same thing. You know, I have some friends who only focus on spirituality and doing consciousness stuff and whatever. And they're like, don't talk about the bad things. You're going to manifest it. You know, you're going to bring in bad vibes or whatever. And then I have activist friends who only want to talk about activist things and philosophy or government, but don't have an interest in the spirituality. And that was kind of my, my life for the first couple of years in, uh, in activism in Houston. And then that phrase, the conscious resistance came to me in 2013 and started trying to talk about this intersection. And that led to the books and the books are like an exploration of all those ideas. The first book we consider it to be like the mind because it explores like big ideas, psychedelics, meditation, um, you know, I tell my story of being locked up and talk about solitude and the importance of growth through that. We also ask, what is government? What is what does freedom really mean? The second half of that book looks at like the intersection of different traditions and religions and anarchism and kind of shows that the roots of these, a lot of the world religions today, actually their origins, most of them were actually very anti-authoritarian. Like Christianity wasn't telling people to follow the church or the Pope or whatever like that, you know, and same thing with Buddhism, Taoism, a lot of them, you know, so we, we look at that. And then the second book's like the heart, it's called finding freedom in an age of confusion. It's all just essays about self-empowerment up, you know, how to motivate yourself. And there's some meditation exercises in there. And then the third book is the mind because it's like, the real deeper, like philosophical stuff, like how do we create a world without, what, what would a world look like without governments and corporations ruling over our lives? And I outlined my uh, ideal vision of an intentional community, which is what I'm trying to build out here in Mexico. And then just sort of, yeah, outline some different principles and ideas within there. So it's like a big work. It's only 300 pages or so, but there's a lot of big ideas explored in there. And um, it's been cool to see the movement of people who are both exploring psychedelics and spirituality and freedom intersecting because like when I was starting out 12 years ago, there wasn't so much of that. It was like a lot of people were the anarchists I knew were mainly atheists or just disinterested. And now there's crypto and psychedelics and spirituality and conspiracies, all just kind of and comedy all merging together into this 
crazy mess of something. I don't know, but it's awesome. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I've been focusing on for the last 12 years. I fucking love it, dude. I, uh, I am right there with you. It is uh, what I do. It's where I am, and I, I think it's very hard. I think you'd be spiritual, I guess, without looking into the conspiracies, but I think it's almost impossible to be in the conspiracies and then not look at the spirituality of everything because you start asking, what else are they lying to me about? And I, I also don't want to live in a place where I'm just all kumbaya and woo-woo, you know? I think it's very important to take a look at what's going on around you and ask, why is this all happening to you? And, you know, yeah. to just be conspiracy and no spirituality is, I think it's just a path of, to darkness. And I think that's You're how you, crazy. I think that's how, how you get to be uh black pilled. And I, I this show will end when I become black pilled. It will end. I'm telling you, there will be no more tinfoil hat. If I'm like, there is no hope. Because I'm so far away from that right now. Like, the more and more I study this, man, the more and more I study just the universe and all that stuff. It's like, I keep telling people, it's like, man, these guys aren't bigger than the universe, man. They, I don't care what they do. They're specks of shit. Klaus Schwab is a speck of shit to the universe. And he's not, he, dude, that's just like a fleet trying to tell a fucking... You know, trying to run the world, it run the universe. It doesn't happen. It can't, and that's why right now they have all the money and they have all the power, and they're trying to control the spirituality. And those two things aren't good. It's not going to work, man. And it's going to get ugly. Yeah. It's going to get rough. But just know at the end of it is fucking light. Because if you study true history, not hidden history, you realize they tried this a thousand times before, and they fail every time. Man cannot control man. And right now, yeah. you know, you have a, a, a group of a very, uh, a very powerful, dark arts people trying to work together to control humanity. And it's just not going to happen. I'm telling you. And, you know, I know we want to believe that they, uh, they control every aspect of the Internet. I just think it's too big. I just think it's too big and they yeah. can't control it all. And, like, it's blood in the fucking water. Don't you think, though, that... That's only a technological limitation that that's going to be probably overcome eventually. I mean, trying for sure. I mean, that, that's the metaverse, right? The next step is the metaverse exactly, to get everybody exactly. in there. And then it's easier to control your whole reality, your whole perception, you know? All right, guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Helix, man. You know what? Most of your life you spend sleeping. And some of you guys don't even think about your mattress. You just lay down and you deal with it. Okay, stop it. There's a solution out there, and it's our friends at Helix. That's right. Johnny, do you have a Helix mattress? I do. I do. Yeah, I love it. Helix Sleep is the best, man. I got it. I have two of them. I have two of them, and they're both great. You know, I sleep in certain ways. Johnny, what do you sleep? I think you sleep yeah, what? I'm a, I'm a side. Knees side. by your head, right? <laughs> yeah, is that a, how you sleep? I'm a side back sleeper, yeah. Yeah, well, how do you sleep, Xavier? On my side. On your, I'm a slide sleeper too. I definitely go fetal position sideways. <laughs> That's how I sleep. And of course, my dog gets bam right in the corner. So I have no room. I pay for everything. I have no room. But guess what? I have a giant bed. So I don't care because Helix is taking care of me, man. It is very important whether you know. 
Dude, I used to have a really junk bed, and I just got Me the too. worst sleep, dude. And thanks to Helix, I sleep on clouds, okay? And how did Helix know what I want? Because they have a wonderful, wonderful quiz. Johnny took it, passed yep. it with A's, okay? I passed it, and I realized I... What kind of mattress do you have? Only quiz you ever passed. Yeah, it is true. It is true. That's that's true. I, I like firm and a little soft at the same time. Yeah, that's what I got too. I got the one that's kind of midway soft. Yeah, you take a quick. It's a two minute sleep quiz. I'm taking mean, it right it takes now. Even less than that. Look at it. He's taking it right taking now, it dude. Right now, and it was dude. simple, easy, fast. And the best part is, you don't even have to go to the store with the. Have you heard about these mattress stores and what they they're thinking they're fronts for uh, some dude. shady shit? Not no, Helix. No. Not Helix Sleep. And they'll rip you off. That's the shadiest thing of all that they do. Maybe it's just ripping people off left and right. Yeah, not Helix Sleep. They take care of you because they're honest people i've met them they're good people and i love them okay so if you're looking for a mattress take a quiz you order the mattress that you're matched to and the mattress comes right to your door ship for free you don't even need to go to the master store fuck the mattress store you can go online and take care of this with our good friends at helix sleep okay so this is what you're gonna do just go to helix sleep dot com slash tinfoil take their two minute sleep quiz I'm okay done already. i'm done he's done he's in he's out he's already got another one coming i'm okay? buying it right now he's buying it right now it's if xavier could do it we can all do it okay <laughs> this is all you do you go to sleep helixsleep.com slash tinfoil and take their two minute quiz and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life and guess what they have a 10-year warranty and you'll get it uh, you get to try it out for a hundred nights for a, on a mattress that you sleep on a hundred nights. nights making love on a mattress and this is how much they care for you they'll take back your love man they, they know you're gonna love it dude. dude every night hitting it hitting it hitting it and then you're like guess what i don't want it i want it. guess what it's never happened in the history of time okay because you gonna, make better love on a helix mattress that's yeah. all i know better love okay helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash timfoil. Okay, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash timfoil. Come on, you deserve to sleep well. One point I wanted to say about like the intersection of spirituality and conspiracy, you know, they, the kind of mainstream, they have a term for us now, right? They call it conspirituality. There's a whole podcast dedicated to intersecting the world of people like JP Sears and others who are conspiracy theorists who are infecting the spiritual community because the spiritual community, just like any other subculture, got super divided during COVID because you got the people who totally, you know, went forward and buy into the narrative and the the communities who don't. And so I've seen it in different parts of the country, especially when we did this this tour and people were saying, oh, we try to host our yoga classes or meditation or whatever meetups. And, you know, the, some of the venues are like, no, you can't come here if you're not vaccinated or if you're not wearing masks. And so people are breaking off and forming their own thing. So it definitely... This, you know, these communities, they, they're not immune to the other, you know, just the other things that affect the mainstream world. And then the other point you said, I think is so important that having that foundation, right? Because I definitely have met a lot of people in the spiritual communities over the years. And I started to put some effort into speaking at transformational festivals in California, Costa Rica and elsewhere. And these are festivals where people get the spiritual side of things. But maybe they don't want to hear about the bad things going on in the world. And so I, may, I started speaking there and talking like, hey, let's not ignore the realities that are happening. 
and I could see though the people who are just there to kind of wear the costume or you yeah. know be you know be get the photos for Instagram or whatever or just you know but they they're not really truly interested in like healing and growth because people don't a lot of people don't recognize that spiritual growth it's not pretty necessarily it's actually difficult and sometimes painful or often painful and it takes a lot of effort so there's people who I think just want to put on the costume you know and have the look or whatever, put all the jewelry on or whatever the heck it is. You know, they, they have the books on the shelf, but they're not actually practicing it, that kind of thing. And yeah, but I think that overall people are questioning what's going on. I do see that to me, this feels like the most beautiful time to be alive right now. It's crazy. It's insane. Like everything that's happening, the Klaus Schwab's and all that, but you're right. They are just like a tiny speck. And I do believe that honestly, I believe, and I've been you know meeting more and more people who feel this way that I think this is what we're here for right now to be alive during this time to affect the direction that humanity's going and if you ta- let, let's face it man there is only one reason this is happening and that is that law enforcement and the military no matter where you are are the ones enforcing the, these rules and they're a very small group of people and they're they're waking up day by day by day by day to what's going on you have places in austria australia where it's taking a little longer and these these fucking cops have allowed this to go far enough, but they're going to lose, man. They're going to lose. They're going to lose because spiritually they can't make this happen. We are so much about like what these governments have done and all this stuff. Now I'm not saying that things like the cleansing that communist countries did didn't happen, but how much of that did we actually experience? And how much of that is us being told by people trying to maintain power about how powerful power really is? You know, and what those people didn't have was the internet, which had a, a, a complete and utter permanent record for those who keep it. Sometimes you gotta go back to the way back machine, and sometimes you gotta save these documents yourself because. You know, have you guys seen the video about the dead internet? Yep. Have you seen part two? Yep. Where it's like... No, I haven't seen part two. It's called a... What is it called? A Patunkin village? Where it's like... it's A Patunkin village, yeah. Yeah, where it's meant to seem like it's way more powerful and beautiful and all. And like, he's like, look at Google. You should go look at Google. I'd love to have this guy and made the video. Look at Google. Right, Google says one billion items found, but you only go back forty pages, and it's three hundred different, three hundred, and then it stops. They found three hundred things because it's contracting. Or like whenever you click, like a, like if you go to like even government government links, they don't go nowhere. Yeah, they're disappeared. They're yeah. just there to make it seem like look, right. we have it. Right. Look, if you want it, it's there. <laughs> click on it. It ain't fucking there. So, so so much of this is an illusion, in my humble opinion. And it's just like they can't control everything all the time. That's my home. It's very hard. They even said it's you know it's, it's a famous quote by a neocon, and I forget how to pronounce his name, but it was basically like, you know, it's easier not to kill a million people than control a million people. It used to be easier to control a million people than kill a million people. It's very hard right now to control. And you know the metaverse and all that stuff. Guess what, man? There's a lot of people pulling out of the internet. There's a reason why. Facebook started Metaverse because they're losing their control of the market because everybody is bailing on it. And we got real lazy, man. We got real lazy because we're like, oh, I could spend time going to everybody's um, their website or I could just go on Facebook. And that's all the Internet in one place. And we got super lazy and they condensed all their power. And now we realize that they're not playing fair. 
like Instagram, which is a part of, of Facebook, completely is hypocritical. It's completely like, again, I got taken down for camel toe pictures of Hillary Clinton. Not even that. You try to follow, you try to follow Sam. It literally says, this guy posts stuff that we don't agree with. Are you sure you want to follow him? Right? And they're and Are like, you sure? yeah, yeah, right? And they're losing their control over it. And eventually, Telegram's killing him now. Eventually, well, they go after Telegram. I was telling Johnny last week, you know they, they're taking away the dislike button? Not the dislike button, as in, like, they're still going to be there, but they won't show you how many people disliked it. Well, and, 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 it's for, yeah. and it's for the creator's mental health, but then yet the, you can go find it in the analytics. Well, you know what it is now is people are writing dislike in. <laughs> In the comments. Have you seen oh, the, really? the video so though, where, where YouTube announces that yep. video? If you, uh, if you actually look at <laughs> every single comment, like ten thousand plus comments, is negative, and it's from it's not just from conspiracy theorists like us, right? It's just normal content creators. You can tell from their their channels saying, "Hey, we weren't consulted on this. This is you know just." People, it's got, I can't remember how many downvotes. Like, it's clear, even in their own little system, I think that was the last time you could downvote, right, that would be publicly displayed, that they're not doing what people want, you know, that they're just, they don't really, they don't care anymore about the users. And you're right, Sam, as well, that we, I think a lot of people did get lazy and we made this huge mistake. I'd say we being a lot of the alternative media people that I worked with, we built our platforms on Facebook from 2014 up till what we call the purge of October 2018 happened, you know, almost Three year, just three years ago last month where they deleted the anti-media, the Free Thought Project, Collective Evolution, a lot of these big pages that had 4 million, 5 million followers. And we were reaching tens of millions of people every week. We would we would literally get our analytics from CNN, Washington Post, et cetera, and compare them to the alternative media. And we were kicking their asses. Like they could, it, th that, that like traffic and that movement helped spark some of the No War with Syria movement, the March Against Monsanto. Some of these biggest movements of the 2010s that happened started because of social media. And yeah, we all got comfortable. And then one day, they decided, you know what, we're going to partner with the Atlantic Council. We're going to start going after disinformation. And it started happening, of course, after Trump started using the fake news thing and it got used against us. Like, oh, you're fake news. Before you knew it, like all these different platforms were deleted. 500 pages. That was the first wave. You know, I think a couple months before that, they had deleted Alex Jones, then 500 big pages on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, et cetera. And it's just gotten worse and worse since then. And for me, somebody who was working in that, the effect was very real. Like that happened in October, 2018 by June, 2019, every, I was working for four different alternative media sites, Ben Swan, the anti-media free thought, uh, and a few others that are not around anymore because of this. And within a week, everybody fired all the writers. We went from the anti-media having a team of 10 different writers, some doing different, you know, geopolitics, technology, et cetera, uh, a full-time editor, a couple of meme makers. And we had full teams like this across different websites. And within six months, it was all gone. All those articles that would be being written right now about COVID, you know, all the stuff that would be exposed, obviously they would have tried to censor it, but they did this very early on. It was like the first realization for us in the community, like, holy crap, like if this was a physical war, they just shunk our, sunk our battleships, you know, and now we can't broadcast. Yeah. We lost our audience because we based our model on traffic to the website for Google ads from social media. So once Google ads said, we're not going to serve you anymore. And once Facebook deleted our pages, there was just no more. We had no, we didn't, you know, we didn't build up e email lists. And really Patreon just, wasn't so what Patreon was or Rockfin and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. So there wasn't this alternative way to build. And now there is, and they're trying to control mm -hmm. that as well. And it will eventually be where people are just going to have paywalls on their websites and you know no matter what they do they, there's just some kid who can't get laid creating a way to fucking yep. to beat it now do you, you what up do you remember the day we got purged 
Well, I mean, we had uh, what's his face on there. I forget what his name is. Uh, Jeff. Fuck. What's Jeff's last name? But he was on there. I felt so bad for him because he came on here and it just was. We we're all sad. It was a sad day. I texted Sam. I was like, "It's gone." He's like, "I'll I'll handle this." <laughs> so <laughs> was it Jeff Burwick. Yeah, Jeff Burwick. Burwick. Yeah, we had him. I felt so bad. He hasn't been back since. I'm like, I promise you, we won't be kicked off again. Come on, but he's great. So you have a book called another book called "Opt Out of the Technocratic State." Tell us a little bit about that because this fits in exactly what we're talking about right now. And then I want to get into one of your docs you did because I love that as well. Yeah, sure, brother. Thanks. So the uh, the second book that we're talking about here, How to Opt Out of the Technocratic State, this has actually been my my most popular book like ever because it was published January 31st, 2020, about two weeks before we heard the words COVID-19. And everything I talked about in the book, minus talking about a pandemic, is, is what's happening right now. Um, so I just want to mention this, too. The book is free to download, theconsciousresistance.com slash how-to. Anybody can go download the PDF and check it out there. It's been published now in Spanish, French, and soon in German. And I think it's just right now people are really resonating with it because as a journalist, specifically somebody who's focused a lot on digital surveillance technology, I was one of the first people to break the story in Houston that the Houston Police Department was using Stingray cell phone surveillance. And I caught them lying and, and got the media, the you know, mainstream media to report on it. So I've been watching this stuff for years and paying attention to things like facial recognition, AI. And there are people who are much more educated in this area than me, much more, uh, you know, kind of like people with degrees and, and lawyers and things like that who've been warning for years. Like we are just walking into Terminator and the Matrix and all these combined without thinking about it, that if we just continue to let facial recognition expand as it has in China, it will be the end of privacy and eventually the end of liberty, I believe. Uh, and that AI as well is just represents this potential, you know, potentially amazing, awesome uses of technology, all the things we've seen in sci-fi movies, just as much as super dystopian potentials, right? So I was assessing the situation in 2019 when I was writing the book and just looking at where things were headed already. They were already pushing things against the people who didn't want the shots and stuff and just kind of anticipating what would it look like for a person to be free in, you know, this technocratic, transhumanist, complete control grid surveillance future. Like, how do you stay free if you can't even, you know, uh, get food without, or you can't even get online without signing in? People have floated this idea of like an internet ID just to access the internet, right? So if you're a mainstream person, that means you get on the internet with your approved ID, everything you do is tracked, uh, everywhere you go is tracked, and all these kinds of things. And I was anticipating some of the stuff we're seeing now, like we're seeing the people who can't travel, you can't enter places without showing proof of vaccination. That's all a part of this technocratic you know, future that I was kind of really concerned about. And a lot of my work, especially in the Conscious Resistance Trilogy and my other videos and stuff, focus on the philosophy of agorism and counter-economics. And just the brief version of it is just, it's a philosophy that says, don't use politics to try to save things because that's in my turn and my belief is not going to fix it violence isn't really the answer i don't think violence you know using violence and force against other people and acceptance self-defense as moral as just as right so if you're not, not going to use politics you're not going to use violence you know what are you left with some people choose apathy this man named thousand four he came up with this agorism and counter economics and basically opting out of the systems and saying hey instead of trying to violently overthrow the government or vote them out let's just build a new system let's get our money our time our energy out of their banks out of their you know schools out of these systems and start to create new ones and he was writing this in the 60s and 70s he predicted things like bitcoin and crypto and a lot of the stuff that we're seeing now he didn't live long enough to see it he died as i said in 2004 but now we're seeing 
what I've recognized is I, I've been talking about this philosophy, this idea is the way for years, and it's been kind of edgy and extreme or whatever. But now you got soccer moms and people like, hey, I need to get my kids out of the school. I need to get out of these systems because otherwise I'm going to get locked in, you know, with a vaccine passport. I'm not going to be able to eat or travel or go to work or anything like that. So more and more people are understanding this idea that we need to create parallel societies, that we need to build something outside of their system. And so to me, that that's what how to opt out of the technocratic state is all about. Is like, how does somebody as an agorist, which is you know what we call ourselves, because it's all about the agora, this open marketplace, this exchange of ideas and goods, et cetera. That's like the place that Kant can believe we could get to. And so how does somebody remain free in a system with facial recognition cameras everywhere, with AI, with uh, you know, vaccine passports, right? What does that look like? And to me, the answer is you have to get out of their systems. Like, I don't think there's going to be a way into the near future, like going into 2022, after this travel season, they're saying they're going to have more lockdowns of people who are unvaccinated, maybe even before then. We're seeing that already. Uh, Austria, um, Germany just announced it. You know, parts of Europe is considering it. Like, that's becoming the new trend, right? So, to me, I don't see any way to stay in this life that we become accustomed to, you know, without accepting their new normals, they put it right. So to me, the answer is to get get the heck out of their systems. And that's what the book focuses on. Like, what does that really look like? How do you think about getting, for one, like getting off big tech, right? Big step, using alternative social media, using alternative social uh, search engines, um, getting out of the banking system, using, you know, local currencies or barter or crypto or silver, whatever it may be, but just kind of applying that strategy in every different area of your life. A lot of people want to get the kids out of the school system. Newsflash people, the school system was crap before for COVID. It's a propaganda machine. You know, a lot of people are only thinking about it now because of the jabs, but it's been a problem for a long, long time. And that's what the book really focuses on. Like how knowing that this future is right here in front of us, Agenda 2030, that's their plan, the year 2030, the Great Reset. It's 2021 right now going into 2022. They just had a UN food summit a couple of weeks ago. They called this the decade of transformation. We're either going to create our own vision and I believe like get out of their systems to create some alternative or we're going to get swept up in it. And the final point I'll make is that I think even they understand this, man, because you know the, the I know you guys have seen the piece, you'll own nothing and be happy. Everybody knows yes, the phrase. Yes. It was, it was it was published by the World Economic Forum and published by Forbes magazine. Well, if you actually go and read it, you know, I encourage anybody who hasn't seen it to read it and go pull it up. And she's talking about, you know, I, sometimes I miss privacy and miss this and that, but life is so much better. I own nothing, blah, blah, whatever. You get down about halfway and it says, it says they live different kinds of lives outside the city. And she kind of goes through this thing. I can't remember the exact words, but she basically says, you know, what does worry me is all the people who decided that these changes were too much for them, that got mad at the politicians and the policies they made, the people who were upset because they lost their jobs to robots and AI, the people who just decided to reject the system. They live different kinds of lives outside the city. They now live in abandoned 20th and 19th century buildings and create their own communities. And it's like, okay, that's going to be us. They want us to think it's going to be some Mad Max kind of dystopian the matrix you know, the matrix but that's the lie of the matrix yeah it's the matrix the, living the outside the up of the matrix was that those who lived outside the system lived miserable lives and the truth exactly. is that those who lived outside the system had farms had families raised kids and were happy fucking people and that is it and you know i i have a little you know cliff high is somebody i had on and it was a really great discussion like this discussion is and he you know he's a guy who's been using data and crunching it and and he said something that resonated with me and maybe because i i just want hope but it's like he says at the end of 2022 their plan doesn't work and i i, I don't see how they can maintain this i just don't understand how they could go i mean they the the problem is this 
They're going too hard too fast. And there's something happening that's scaring them that they have to do all this stuff. Raising the gas prices, supply chain stuff, uh, vaccine, fourth boosters. Okay, all this stuff is like, your kids got to get it, even though there's no reason for kids to, to get this shot. Like, if you can't prove me it stops transmission, there's literally no reason for the kids to get the shot. And right now, you have Fauci and all of them telling you, you it doesn't work. They, they're losing it. I know it sounds crazy. And they're, like we just want to be like, well, every move is a different move, and it's a different move. Well, it's like, I don't, now they just got busted. Like, Bill Gates talks about smallpox. Now they just got busted with, like, vials in, in uh, Philadelphia. Did you see that, dude? Where they found, yeah, like, vials funny. of smallpox. And maybe that in, in, like, some laboratory. Right. And you're right like, after Bill Gates says there might be outbreaks, it's kind of interesting timing. Because well, that's, that's supposed to be like, what is it, a five-stage five facility well, where nothing's I supposed mean, to go out like this? Wuhan was? Like Wuhan was one of those facilities where nothing was supposed to come out, and look well, where we're at now. What happens if your immune system is completely compromised by this vaccine, which we're seeing doctor after doctor after doctor say, and now you there's a smallpox breakout? I mean... This seems like play, layer on layer on layer, and I'm just waiting for people to wake up. And Johnny said before, and we heard Jim Brewer say, this Rittenhouse trial is a giant shift focus from what is really going on, which is oh, they're, they're, they're trying to fucking cripple this country from the inside, and I don't give a fuck what anybody says. China knows they can't take us on head to head. They just know they can't do it. They can't do it. They'll flood us with these fucking aughts, man. That's what they call them on uh, 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 World Star Bets. I mean, uh, Wall Street Bets, aughts. Because they're just idiots. I mean, they, dude, they're broken robots. I'm they're, sorry. They're fucking us from inside. Like, look at the prices they on have gas. To. Yeah, they look can't, at the, they look. can't bang with us, man, head on. They can't. Yeah. China cannot take us on head on. They just do not have the people to do that. They have they have qua- they have a quantity of people. They have a bigger. They don't have the guys that can do it. They say they got a bigger navy than us now. They just can't, dude. They they can't. I'm telling you, bro. I've been Iraq, to China. You know, Iraq had a million man army too. Yeah. How'd yeah. that work out? Yeah, I mean, I'm just telling you, dude. They just can't. And like now we're waking up that the leadership of our our military is completely fucking us over. So I think everything is awakening. I will. I I'm, I have I have friends of mine like well, let's start a fucking business in the metaverse. Have maybe this is where I become the old man, and I don't participate in it because I have no interest in going in the metaverse. I'm killing it too hard in this reality. Why do I want to be with betas? Okay, how about make money on the on the metaverse? Because that's where I get a lot of shit. He's like, you're anti metaverse, but yet you're buying sandbox and and mana. Which I'm like, I'm still trying to get money. I'm still trying to make money to to live here. Yeah, but I'm not gonna. You're not gonna see me in there, fucking. Instead of podcasting, podcasting inside the fucking metaverse. We're like, look at me podcasting there. there. Why would you come back? If you go in there, you're not coming back. I want to ask, that's what I want to ask you, Sam, because I've been thinking about this too. I definitely like, I have a, a article that I'm putting out in the next couple of days from the last American vagabond about like the really scary aspects of the metaverse and all the people involved. And just, you know, it, there's, it's, it's good reason to be scared, but I definitely can see, like, I've got a 24 year old brother who thankfully because of me just planting seeds in his mind, he sees through a lot of the garbage, but people like his, his age and younger, my nieces who are 12 years old, 10 years old, 
like by time they get 17, 18, the metaverse is probably going to be the coolest thing for them. It's going to be like the internet was for us. And a lot of these people, these, you know, especially the younger generation, I think, but maybe even older are just going to see it as like the coolest thing ever. And you could just see just like with video games or anything else getting sucked into there, not wanting to come back. But I also think there's going to be content creators and podcasters. And like you guys said, businesses and people who are like, okay, well it's just like social media, right? We use social media to reach people. I'll just do a metaverse version of me and to reach people in the metaverse. And I mean, I can see that some people are probably going to do it for me. I, I don't, I don't ever see myself, representing myself in the metaverse like i feel like maybe it's something you want to go experience but i also just have no trust of these people or these companies that are making these things like they're literally going to be transplanting in a way your consciousness to another world and i don't know it's just i every time i see it like i see it the video game store whatever the oculus now and and it's like man i remember being a little kid and the idea of virtual reality being the coolest thing ever and i wanted to play games like that so bad and now i'm terrified in a lot of ways so i don't know but do you think you you just kind of said it i guess but do you don't think you would ever use the metaverse to any way to like promote yourself like hey here's a special tinfoil hat podcast only in the metaverse before he answers that you have kids sam the Ghost and Ninja go in the metaverse. You're not going after them. You're not going to be like, let's see well, what's the, the hype know, about. I mean, it's a real, it's a real hard spot, man. Because I know what the re the metaverse represents, right? But you know, you've been on Snapchat lately. That shit is like, yeah. See, I don't think it's shady much different. as fuck. I had to yeah. delete the podcast, the app, because it like the stuff on there was like really gross, man. I'm like, what the fuck is this, man? And you and Ma it, Snapchat won't let you report shit. Like, I saw stuff, I'm like, why is this on here, man? And it won't, oh, is it mean? But it won't let you go, oh, this is, like, inappropriate shit. And it won't do it. So I, I erased it. So I don't know what I'm going to do because I pride myself in that, you know, along with Rogan and that Death Squad crew. We were kind of social. We were Hollywood rejects, even though Rogan was on, like, Fear Factor. But, like, a lot of us went to podcasting because the Internet, I mean, because Hollywood wouldn't work with us. So my question is, what is my base going to be, right? Am I going to be the guy getting the 20, when I'm 60, am I going to be the guy getting the 20-year-olds listen to me, or am I going to be like Sebastian Maniscalco, whose crowd is like a fucking 70 years old, and, you know, they're not, they're not podcast people, and I mean that with all love, because he's crushing it, but, you know, so that's, that will be the question. I do not see myself yeah, going oh, in there. Oh. And here's my other argument. What about Travis Scott, the metaverse, when they did that Travis Scott Fortnite? He was performing, and they were all watching him from somewhere else. What if comedy became that, where it's like you perform? Well, I already hear yeah. comedy saying oh, yeah. it's already No, it is already in there. They do, uh, oh, shit. One of, one of the clubs in New York does a regular, a standing thing in Oculus venues, uh, now called meta venues. Uh, yeah, See, the, it's already I here. remember this from, like, back in the day. There was a thing that came out, like, way in the early, you know, this is probably 2007, 2008, just beginning of social media when that thing, maybe 2005, that thing, Second Life, came out. And I remember playing with that, and it just, it's just like you have an avatar in the other world, and you can fly around, you can visit places, you can spend money with all this kind of stuff. But it was still like you're playing a video game, basically. But I definitely remember that feeling of like oh they're trying to like create like us there's this is like another world in here and i also think for me as a journalist and people i know that people in our community the like other journalists and activists we're always trying to think of how do we reach more people right like we do plane flyovers at the beach we got you know articles documentaries podcasts interviews whatever you can think of handing out flyers it feels like okay so either this is an argument i think some people might make is either i'm going to go into the metaverse and broadcast truth if possible right i'm sure it'll be sanitized and filtered from people like us but let's imagine you could go there and for a while it's free and you can 
you know, host a, a virtual newscast or whatever, and you start getting all these people tuning in, more people than you had on the regular internet, you know, would we just waste that opportunity to reach people there or just totally seed over the metaverse and like, hey, you guys take it, propagandize people's minds as you will in there, we're going to stay out here. I mean, I don't know. That's the argument we had with the Grammar, or not argument, but that's the discussion we had with the guys, at least I did, with the guys on Gramerica who Grimerica, they want, yeah, yeah, Gramerica, they want to abandon. Uh YouTube and these other platforms, not even try to have a presence there to kind of lure people out to places like Rockfin and, and, and you know, other platforms that we have more control, uh, you know, and freedom. And I, I think you got to fight on all fronts that well, you can. Well, my whole thing will be with the metaverse is that if, if everything's done correct, there will be counters to the metaverse. Yeah, just, just like don't Rockfin, seed that territory all that stuff. right away. You know, I just, what I, what I think is it's going to be. It's like for the metaverse to grow, it's going to need what YouTube needed, which were outlaws mm. to grow it. And that's probably what will happen. Early adopters, right? Early Good. adopters growing it. And then it will get so powerful. And then they'll notice like people like us in their spreading truth. And then they'll try. But then someone will create a counter to Facebook and metaverse. And it may not never yeah. get as big as the metaverse, but it, people will start to open up their eyes like, hey, what's going on? We, the, here's the whole thing, and this includes my children. It's like, if I do my job right, I'm going to raise them to the best I can. I'm going to, mom probably won't want to hear this, but I'm going to make them learn to question everything, okay? <laughs> Not like be the point where you're miserable and you're living, you know, fucking under a rock, but like, question, no, don't buy into everything. Question everything you see, especially in the metaverse. You should question yeah. everything you see. I don't know. I, I have faith in humanity, dude. I, I, I feel like, you know, we've always seen where, like, technology has tried to take things over. And I just feel like, in, in the end, it's going to all work out. But, you know, again, I won't black pill it. But, I mean, like, I think the metaverse is how they're going to fucking thin the herd. They're going to ship all these people yeah. who can't compete in this area into, into the metaverse where they're never going to reproduce. And they're just going to yeah, slow there's down. There's no the viruses back. in the metaverse. There's no <laughs> viruses in the metaverse. There's no climate change in the metaverse, right? Like you're not harming the planet if you stay in the metaverse. It's better for the planet. It's better. There, you know, the, we won't be harmed by viruses. The only other thing I would add, you know, sorry to cut you off there, Sam, is that it, it, I think it's a mistake for us to think about the metaverse as one place, just like we don't think of the internet as one place, right? Maybe there will first be a Facebook metaverse thing or whatever but ultimately there will be different realities and i've seen some people in the crypto community trying to float the idea of like hey we need a decentralized cryptoverse or meta you know decentralized or whatever you want to call it there's but the idea decentralized that, like, hey, land yeah decentralized land yeah yeah Central, exactly. decentralized land so take take the concept but keep it decentralized right like if that's possible so i mean i think there will be people who do create alternatives like you're saying um uh -uh. If Zoom isn't fucking with us right now, I want to talk about your uh, doc that I loved. And it was like a big thing for me because it kind of opened my eyes to the FBI. And it was uh, who will find what the finders hide. Have you guys seen this? It's fucking great. And it really does break uh, to the point. I want to get you on. Uh, I want to get you on Ooh. Conspiracy Social Club because Brian, Brian Callen is the best. I love him. I hug him. He's a wonderful dude. And, but he can't come to grips with that 
there are people who, and I think this could be applied to our politicians right now and our leaders who are actively working against us. And it seems to be that's what happened with the FBI, whether it is this Russiagate thing, whether it is the uh, anthrax scare of 2001, the the Vegas shooting, uh, you know, this Parkland shooting. There seems to be an FBI connection to so much. And like a really great example now is the finders. So can we get, can you tell us a little bit about your doc and what you discovered? The finders cult and all that. Yes. Thanks, Sam. So, I mean, this is something that if anybody, anybody who's been around, I think conspiracy circles, YouTube, whatever, long enough before sanitization happened, probably came across or heard the name, the finders at some point, like I'd heard it vaguely. I, you know, found a few videos about it over the years, but they were like five minute summaries of like, Hey, there was this cult that uh, got exposed in 1987. These two men traveling in Florida with some children who were described as being dirty and bug bitten and all this stuff. They got arrested with the kids. It became a national scandal. There was accusations of Satanism and pedophilia. And then in a week later, they said, whoops, we made a big mistake. Nothing to see here. These kids are all fine. We got them back to their original moms. Everything's good. Big misunderstanding. These are just weird hippies. You know, I'd heard that kind of five minute summary in a couple of different videos. But around uh, 2018, when I was doing my last tour, and I, so, as I said, I was in Florida and I visited Jeffrey Epstein's house. I was working on that documentary and I started to kind of open to the idea that I wanted to dig more into the finders. And it just, you know, I can really say that when I was doing this investigation, I don't know how to put it other than I feel like I was being guided because I think I'm a pretty good investigator. But I mean, information was just like sources were coming to me. Information was just being handed to me. I was just discovering so many things about this story. And it's like a 30-year-old story, so it felt kind of like, well, maybe this is irrelevant. But the more I dug into it, it's like, holy crap, this is even more explosive than anything about Epstein. There's even more evidence of a cover-up than any other case we can think of. But it's just been totally buried in the last year, 30 years and forgotten. So I was in Florida, and I realized that one of the uh, original founding members of the Finders cult, who was involved in the whole scandal back in 87, that he was living in, Tal- uh, in uh, Gainesville. And I was just passing through that area. And I went and met up with him. And Whoa. I was with my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, hey, we're going to go sit down and interview this guy. He might be a pedophile. Like, he's been accused of it. But we're going to give him <laughs> his chance to share his story, Holy you know, shit, doing dude. real journalism, right? For real. And uh, – we went to his house and uh, basically just sat down with him for like an hour. And at the time, I didn't really know much about the story. Like I said, I just started to dig into it. But I was like, this is a good opportunity. I'm going to film this. When I get done with Epstein, I'll get back to the finders. So I did the Epstein documentary. Then I started doing my finders work. And I was advised by some followers like, hey, you should put this public just for your safety. So I ended up releasing an eight-part investigation, just digging into the finders, like all the different details. And, you know, I have a a whole story about where the name of the documentary comes from. I can tell you if you want in a few moments, it's really just like this weird rabbit hole of strange shit on the internet. Yeah. But I, bas- I basically just decided like, okay, I have enough material here to put it into a documentary. And that became who sourced and, you know, uh, available. I also, I will say, and I'll send you guys a links to share this out if you want, but I put out the entire finders archive on, um, um, what is it on uh, Mega, the download website? So my entire file with all the police documents, all the the records, all the interviews I did, my complete interviews with the Finders member, like everything I have is available for free online. Uh, and hopefully, more and more people are downloading it so it stays alive. But basically, what I found is I started to investigate this. Is that initial story I told you guys? They get arrested with these kids. 
jail. There's this big investigation. They start realizing that the finders, this cult called the finders, they had bases in DC, just outside of DC, coincidentally within a mile of Comet Ping Pong, which is connected. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, um, man. They had a farm in Virginia. You know, they had they had a farm in Virginia. They had they had all these different properties that around the country. And so it, it set off this huge investigation. You have the customs agents and the Washington Metro police department going to raid their apartments and their buildings in the DC area. You had the Tallahassee police who arrested the men who started investigating it and they start interviewing the kids and you have the Virginia state police going to the farm. So there's at least four different agencies involved. Oh, my camera died. I'm yep. going to switch real quick. So that. Uh, there oh, we go. Guys pick up Still them. looks good. Cool. Still looks good, bro. Still looks good. <laughs> So you had you had like four you had, okay, come. so you had four different agencies all involved in, in you know reporting on this case and documenting it. So we have all those um, those files now, except for the the customs agency is still holding them after forty years. But basically, what I found is I found out that when they started raiding the, the the different properties, they went to this warehouse outside of D.C. that the finders owned, and there was a U.S. customs agent named Ramon Martin, Martinez who he did a report on this. He wrote his report for the customs department and we have that full report now. And in there, he says that he described seeing pictures of naked children, uh, instructions on how to buy children from China. Um, uh, just, there was a room where you could t- clearly tell they were filming something, you know, some sort of dark room where they had cameras set up. He also said that at this time, again, this is 87, that they pretty much already had like Wi-Fi wired internet set up. Whoever these yep. people were, they were, they were hi- highly connected. They had, you know, early super internet, they had instructions that the police found there on how, like in, instructing them to take the kids and go elsewhere, instructions on how to avoid the police. They found passports from different countries like Soviet Union, um, Vietnam and elsewhere, which at that time in the eighties and, and Cuba as well were like, you know, heavily restricted. So just all kinds of shady things. Ramon Martinez does his job. He goes on there, files the report. And there's, I found old, all the old newspaper articles. I found one picture of them walking out of the warehouse with the bag of evidence, and it was never seen again. Ramon Martinez went back to a couple weeks later to try to get, you know, some more of the evidence to view it again, and he kept getting stonewalled. And then eventually, he was told by another uh, person. This is what he wrote in his report that he was told by another agent of the Washington Metro Police Department that the investigation had been closed and that had become a CIA internal matter. Oh and that was man. kind of the end like you know, what the heck is going on, right? He starts like, like, okay, what do you mean? And basically he continued to, so that's like 87, right? The CIA shuts it down, we, we know, but publicly they're like, oh, nothing to see here, everything's fine. And in all the major media, because this, this made international headlines. I found articles from all over Europe and elsewhere talking about this. I, I used a lot of different archives to find the original reporting on it and find pictures of their farm and different things like that and tried to track down all the living police officers who are alive and different people. Some of them refused to speak. Some of them have died and a couple under mysterious circumstances. And, um, yeah, and basically Ramon Martinez, after they shut the whole thing down, he continued to speak up and tried to, like, get an investigation to happen. They basically railroaded him. They destroyed his career. They had different agents saying he's known for sticking his nose in places it doesn't belong and pretty much just destroyed his career. But he kept raising hell about it, and he got a couple of different uh, congressmen in the late 80s, early 90s to actually – you know, make some noise about it. Uh, I can't remember the name of them right now, but these two gentlemen basically started to speak up publicly. And then in 1993, it actually led to a second investigation. Like they, the story wouldn't go away. Ramon Martinez kept making noise. 
congressman started speaking out about it. And so they had the Justice Department do this big investigation to find out, was there some sort of cover-up, you know? And of course, they cleared themselves of any wrongdoing and said there was no cover-up, everything's fine. And that's it. That's the end of the Finder saga. 1993, totally over with. Everything's good. If you still question it, you must be some crazy person. It's just part of the satanic panic of the 1980s, right? And then by the time I hear about it, 2016, 17, 18, I decided to track down Ramon Martinez, the customs agent. I found the uh, uh, Toby Terrell, who was the right-hand man, in his own words, of the founder of the Finders. The founder of the Finders was this man named uh, Petty. He comes from Air Force Intelligence. His whole story is that he was like an Air Force general, but then he retired, and he never had connections with them again, and he just became a show. He's, he totally severed his connection, though. He had nothing to do with them after that is the story. But then we find out his son worked for Air America, which was a CIA front uh, you know, airline. His wife also worked for the CIA at a different point. Just all these different connections that you are really difficult to dismiss. And um, he, he was known for like trying to create these different kinds of cults. The whole thing about the finders itself, which many of us theorize, this is like in the 60s when there's these different groups going around. The finders was a unique one. They weren't like some hippie drug cult. In fact, they were like very much against that. They weren't straight and narrow, but they were like, if you're in the finders, you got to be prepared to do things. And it's all a game, right? So they called Marion, that's his name, Marion Petty, the game caller. So they would come to him and say, hey, game caller, do you have a game for us today? And he would say, okay. And he'd give out random tasks. He'd say, go find a bar of gold and a red towel. Go to San Francisco, talk to a bald man, just all kinds of things that seemed totally random. And he would send them out on these tasks and they would come back. But he also had them like give over their life savings to the information bank, as they called it. And this guy, Toby Terrell, the one I interviewed, he ended up becoming like giving over his whole life savings. He told me all this in the interview, left his whole life behind to join this cult and to become the right hand man of Marion Petty. He said they shared a toothbrush and were oh. extremely close. And uh, yeah, and so the, the, the mainstream story is they're just a weird cult. They create these funny games and they just try to confuse people, but there's really nothing there. It's all smoke and mirrors. But most of the members that were involved, the core members, somebody, as I was investigating this, somebody had leaked the entire roster of the members of the finders and the, on the internet in like the mid 2000s. And you could still find it. It's totally gone now, but you could still find it then. And I've, you know, downloaded and saved it. And I started investigating all these different people. Some of them are still journalists that are around today, like not any big, well-known journalists, but they're working in different fields or they're working in investigation fields because with the finders, the reason they said their name is because they said they, they charge people for finders fees that they were good at finding things in addition to playing these weird games you could hire them to investigate or just do different things so they seem to be some sort of like intelligence agency and the story and again this is in the documents and the documents that uh, came out later that i'll talk about in a moment they clearly said that they were some sort of rogue part a part of the cia that went rogue or something like that that's kind of the story uh that at least the truth hints to but in the official you know story it was like nothing after 1994 everything's dead and gone marion petty lived out his life as a weirdo there's a couple articles about him in the mid-2000s and he dies and that's it and now toby Terrell is living in gainesville just living out his life and people, you know, he says everybody's crazy who, who thinks there's still anything to do with it. But so I put out the documentary in early 2019, who will find it at the finder's hide. You can find it on my website. And then randomly later that year in October, 2019, I think is when it started. The FBI starts dropping finder files, literally just the FBI official Twitter account finders one of one. And it's a 300 page document dump. And then people, a few, myself and a few other people start, you know, pouring through them 
doing live streams, going through every single document. And that's when we got even more evidence. Like there's this one law enforcement summary that clearly says that it was a cover up by the FCIA, which is the Foreign Counterintelligence Agency and the CIA and the FBI. Like it's in their own freaking words. And he says, you know, they claim that they're going to break up and uh, this, but based on our intelligence, we should not trust that this group will end. They're going to splinter off into different groups and, you know, probably continue whatever they're doing. Um, You know, and again, like I said, there was accusations of Satanism. I found those to be the least credible, not to say they weren't involved in something weird, but there definitely isn't really strong evidence. There is strong evidence for child trafficking. There is strong evidence for inte- and uh, connections to intelligence communities. The first Tallahassee report, when they arrested the men in Tallahassee and they started to um, question the children, the children had never seen phones or toasters or any kind of modern technology. They seemed totally clueless. And they claimed it was because they were like the beginning of unschooling, you know, free schooling the kids and just, you know, the kids were – they totally claim like we were trying to free them from society and Babylon and this and that, but the kids hadn't eaten days. They were all cut up and all beat up. And this is the kind of messed up part. They examined two of the kids. And again, this is in the Tallahassee police documents that we have now publicly available. That says that one of the boys that he couldn't hold his bowels in most likely because of sodomy. He was crapping all over himself. They said the little girl named Mary, that her hymen had been broken, that there was clear penetration. Like, And, you know, so these are things that they, despite the finders saying there's nothing there, you know, either that police document is lying from 30 years ago, and that guy, the FBI starts dropping files, and we, we had three more document dumps after that, and, and it's just basically like, this is what I mean, is like it's such a big story that's like somebody, if any of the mainstream would even just touch this, okay you broke up really bad at the end derek uh i don't know we're cooking with gas and then we mentioned china and now everything is just like fucking super duper like internet so fuck man because this i I think this is uh i think this is like is it back yeah let's see is it back back. is it back it's back now but i'm a little worried that's gonna but Basically, you went through all this, and because I know we got two more points, I, I'm just we're just covering real quick so that we don't lose you and we get this out. Um, so basically, the finders show that there's intelligence connections to. I mean, we see it right now with um, with Epstein intelligence connections, and now we see with the finders intelligence connections. We've seen so many people that Hillary worked with have intelligent connections, and then there, then we see child sex trafficking. Do you think that this child sex trafficking part is uh, just an initiation into the circle of power? I mean, I think that the, the finders is one example, but it's it's literally so prevalent, it's hard to imagine that it's it's not a part of their operation, right? And I, I do want to just add two brief things, Sam, to that. Um, I know I think I was cutting out a little bit, but I want to say that I did go visit Ramon Martinez, the customs agent, uh, when I was making this documentary i was able to contact him and find him he initially agreed to do an interview with me and me again he sent me an email saying leave me alone and what he did say in the email was he said i have he said i have no faith that anything will ever happen to the people that i know who did this so he confirmed that he still stands by his word and what he said happened back then that he witnessed you know these pictures of naked children he witnessed like all this stuff about organized crime like buying and purchasing children um and he he basically kind of freaked out and just told me to leave the heck alone i tried to call him he refused to answer me and basically i decided when i was making the documentary that it wouldn't be complete without trying to get him on camera 
So I went to where he lived. I found out where he lived. I had to track him down a little bit. I didn't go to his house, but I found out that he teaches Tai Chi at it to see if my grandpa might take Tai Chi class there. And I ran into him and I tried to talk to him. As soon as I, you know, I said, hey, how are you doing? Ramon, my name's Derek Rose. He recognized my name immediately. said, get the fuck away from me. Get the fuck away from me. Don't ever, don't talk to me. And I just told him, I said, man, you could blow this whole thing open. If you would please just like speak up, like you could really just, you know, blow this case open. And he, just, you know, he was on the Bluetooth with his wife, I think, and he said, it's that journalist again. He's bothering me, this and that. And I left him alone. I've tried to contact him since then. He refuses to speak publicly. He knows, but I think he's, you know, he's in his 70s. He's kind of retired at this point, and he knows what happened, and he probably is, like, lucky to be alive at the moment. But they destroyed his career. Also, I found out that in the 90s, 48 hours, the TV show went and interviewed him, and they were going to do a story on this, and somebody got it canceled. It never aired. It never made its TV. And so he told me that. He's like, every now and then, different journalists show up and try to say they're going to do something about this. He's like, but if, if nothing happened before, what good is it going to do if I talk to you? You know, it's kind of what he told me. And then uh, the other thing, last thing I'll mention on the finders is I was just, I, I again on tour and I was in Florida and it had been three years since I filmed that original interview. So I went back to the finders, Toby Terrell's house where I know he lived and I got in touch with him and he agreed to do another interview and I haven't released it yet. I'm probably going to release it next week, but he was pretty pissed at me. He's like, how dare you spread these internet conspiracy theories? But I just said, I only have two questions for you. He let me sit down and I asked him basically what I just told you. I said, Hey, how come you say this is your story? But this police document says that there was a cover-up by the FCI and CIA. Can, how, you know, can you dispute that? And he said, oh, that just must be a disgruntled officer. And I said, okay, well, what about the original Tallahassee police documents that show penetration of one of the – he's like, oh, well, did you see later there was another um, report that came out and said that that one was wrong. And I was like, okay, so you're saying the second one's accurate and the first guy was just imagining things or whatever. But oh, I'm going to put the full interview out just for you know documenting it because this guy's out there. But he still stands by his word that they were not involved in anything, but the documents say otherwise. And, you know, I can't, like I told him, I can't make two plus two equal five. Like, this is what I know. This is what I can prove. You can say different, but I don't know. Well, Derek, uh, I could talk to you forever, but unfortunately we're having really bad internet stuff. He's got an upcoming event called the Greater Reset Activation and you can find it on his website. All the links are in the, in the will be in the description. And on top of that, he's also a member of the Rockfin family. So I was going to be like, talk to you by. I, I remember you are, in fact, on there. I just subscribed to your channel. You're doing the Lord's work, brother. I wish we could go into the rest of it. But right now, the internet is just going cuckoo crap. We hit all the buzzwords yep. to upset everybody, right? <laughs> See, China, FBI, pedophilia, you name it. Uh, we've done it. And uh, uh, the tech lords are not happy with us. Uh, so, Derek, we will make sure to uh, do a follow-up interview with you. I mean, you're wonderful... You know, uh, I call these interviews screaming at each other in agreement. It's just one of those where, you know, we, we see each other in the same, we see the world the same way. Uh, I love what you do. I'm a big fan of all of it. You, you're, your docs. I'm going to grab your book. And uh, I'm just honored that you came on the show. And I'm sorry that we have to cut a little short because the internet is, is really fucking with us. But uh, before we go, please tell them where they can find you. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me on. And I'm definitely down to come back anytime. Uh, my main website is theconsciousresistance.com. That's where you can check out my books and my documentaries, including The Pyramid of Power. We didn't talk about that yet, but check that out at thepyramidofpower.net. That's a 16-part documentary series I'm working on. And you mentioned The Greater Reset. 
thegreaterreset.org. We're basically trying to counter the World Economic Forum. We're not being blackpilled. We're focusing on solutions for how do we make it through this stuff. We start finding ways to decentralize and how to get out of their system. So if you guys are looking for solutions, check out thegreaterreset.org, and uh, maybe we can have you involved in some way, Sam. I would anything you need, brother. I'm uh, I'm your Huckleberry. Okay, just uh, hit me up, and I would love to help you. And uh, we'll do some more stuff in the future. Uh, we'll just figure out what those things are, and we'll make it happen. I appreciate you. I love you. I appreciate you uh, uh, joining us today. And guys, like I said, uh, San Diego show sold out. But guess what? Yep. We're at the American Comedy Company, December 2nd through the 4th, and I'm bringing Howie Dewey and Chris Neff if everything works out. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you very much. Hope you enjoyed the show. Sorry about the internet at the end. Trust me, we could get gone for an hour, another hour, but, you know, the, the tech lords are on to us, you know, uh, and we'll do it. We'll do it again. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. We go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. From the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack, tin foil hack, tin foil hack.